Good morning and welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. Well, we're beginning a new series that seeks to answer some of the curiosities and questions that are coming from our congregation called, I Was Wondering. Today's question is one that has become more pressing in our recent days because of the cultural stresses and strains, and it speaks to the heart of how we understand what the church is. Thanks for joining us as we examine the question, why is it important to go to church? Well, while I was my first year in seminary and just before I was to be married, uh, one of the things I spent a lot of my time doing was getting in shape, a lot of exercise, a lot of weightlifting. And at the house where my, um, uh, uh, where my roommate and I were living, uh, the owner had one of those indoor gyms. You guys know the kind I'm talking about, right? Where the bench press and all the little wires and, and weights you can lift. Well, um, I was uh, attempting to see if how, how much I could do on the bench press. You know, like a real smart guy, right? Uh, muscle head that I was put too much weight on and as soon as you get off the bar and it hits your chest and you realize real quick uh, I'm not sure I, I think I'm in a pickle right now uh, you kind of cry out for help hey I, I need you guys <laughs> need some help and my, my roommates came so I worked my way up a little bit higher a couple more weeks of lifting until finally I decided to give it another go but this time instead of trying it alone I called them in as spotters. You guys know what spotters are? Really important job that a spotter has to do, which is save your life if the weight's too much. But they have another really important job. Uh, it, it's kind of a role of encouragement. And, and what I found was the first time that I couldn't lift, because I was all, I think, alone, now I had my two roommates going, Come on, Ryan! Come on! You can do it! Look at this. Look at this. Right here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it, <laughs> it used to be more impressive, let me tell you that. But w- with that encouragement, I, I, I went up not just once, twice, three times with a maximum amount, amount of weight without pulling any muscles. And I believe largely it's because you and I are wired to need encouragement. I think that's one way in which God's designed us. In fact, all the more the need for encouragement with the more and the addition of more weight. When we look at our Christian lives, we'd be foolish not to recognize there's an incredible difficulty for wanting to live after, as a disciple of Jesus Christ in a world that's continually putting more weight on the bar. In a world that's continually trying to bring discouragement, whether that's through just the, the sociological way of our culture loving the glory of man more than the glory of God, or whether that's through a form of legislation, or any form that draws you and I away from the single glorious truth of giving your lives singularly to Jesus. You might need a spotter. You might need somebody to come alongside you and help you with encouragement, or maybe you just need somebody to lift the weight with you for a time, for a period. I think, however, when we look at so often what is the case in the church, in Christian living, some of us may come to Jesus thinking with optimism, ha, I can do this, only to find out the weight's pretty heavy. And I've seen those guys at the gym, right? Maybe you have, as you at one point in your life worked out, right? Uh, They're the ones who care more about what they look like. 
than actually actually doing anything. Or maybe they start like me with the with the Y in town. They they started and then they stopped going altogether. Any anybody like that? I'm just paying my membership without ever going actually going to the gym. Or maybe they decide, you know what, more weight is really what I'm not here for, and so they stop seeking any form of growth. Jesus Christ had a metaphor to refer to these same people, a parable he gives about four different kinds of soil upon which the word of God, the word that you heard the choir singing about just a moment ago, the word that you heard Pastor Phil teaching our children about. Jesus says that the word was sown and for some on the path, the birds came, took the seed and, and, and took it away. He explains this as Satan, the work of Satan, the evil one to come and to bring discouragement. I started out strong, but eh, it just ain't worth it. Or other seed that fell upon rocks and the soil was very shallow. And so it grew down quick. But then when the sun came out, it just didn't have the strength to continue. Or those others, and I think what is the predominant soil in our American rich entitlement culture that we live in, seed that was sown amongst the thorns. And as the weeds grew, they choked out the life. And Jesus says, these are like those who start off good, but then the the worries and the cares of life become too much for them, and they just fall aside. And they stop coming, and there's no fruit. We need a reminder today. And as we are in a series called I Was Wondering, uh, many of the questions, in fact, three or four of them, asked something similar as to the question, so why is it important to come to church? One question in particular asked this, that they run into uh, uh, folks who say, you know what I do? I, I go to church in the woods. That's my church. I don't need to come to any building or service or hear a preacher I just go to church out in God's creation. And on one level, I want to bring an indictment against that, but not as a practice, rather as a replacement for church. At the beginning, let let me on the outset share with you that it is essential in your Christian walk, in your discipleship to follow Jesus. You make time to get away to solitary, lonely places. Hear me. You need to go for a walk in the woods. Jesus himself needed to get away and be alone with the Father. But understand that that is in no way a replacement for the assembling of God's people to worship God together. And so we're going to seek to answer this question this morning. We're going to be in, um, in one primary verse. I, I struggle as I work through some of these questions because they are so large and so vast. And there's so many places that we can turn to. We're only going to take a bite out of the cookie this morning. But I'm going to, I'm going to make a, you, you ever give a cookie to like a four-year-old? Do you know what they do? Ah, they, they get as big a bite as they can. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to take as big a bite as we can, but it's only one bite. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews. As you turn there to Hebrews chapter 10, I wrote down um, what I thought are some of the reasons why people would prefer to go to church in the woods rather than church uh, with the rest of God's people. I wrote down it's easier. Sometimes it's motivated by selfishness. Uh, Sometimes it's I'd rather not be accountable to anybody else, right? People are such a pain in the neck, right? Or the pastor, such a pain in the neck. I wrote that down too. I wrote down, maybe they've been wounded 
by church in the past. And they've never dealt with that. There, there is unforgiveness that has grown into bitterness in their hearts. And that keeps them away. Um, we, we're a bunch of hypocrites. Uh, I, any sinners in church this morning? Right? Yeah. I, I want to say loud and clear that many times uh, that insult is accurate to us. Praise be the name of Jesus. I'm saved not by my righteousness, but by his. And so sometimes people won't come to church because they feel judged. They just feel like everyone's looking at me. Sometimes they just say, I just can't today. I want you to know avoidance is not the right answer. And so instead of what I would give as like the dad answer to this question, why do I need to go to church? Dad says, because I, I said so. All right, end of the sermon. Let's pray, right? That, that's it. God said so, so you better go. Um, I, I'm going to offer to you um, eight unique contributions that this assembling of God's people provides that the woods does not. And, um, and I hope you're able to, to track and follow along with me in your notes as we worship together. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, just one verse, verse 25. The writer of the book of Hebrews says, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Before we dive in with some observations, I want to give you some facts about the church. Number one, church is not about you. That that, that sometimes needs to be a really poignant and might even sting a little bit because I think this is the top of the list for why people either choose a church or refuse to go to church because they've missed the whole point. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus. Uh, This passage from 1 Corinthians, Paul writes, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were noble by birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it's written, let the one who boasts, boast in whom? Boast in the Lord boast of Jesus. It's not about you. Thank goodness for a passage like this. According to this, what were you when you were called? Mighty, noble, strong? Nope. Weak and nothing. That's, that's the position we have in righteousness before God. So I want to start out with that as a clear fact. Church is not about you. It's about Jesus. Additionally, church is not a place. It's not a program. It's not a service. The church is a people. In fact, even inherent within the question, why do I need to go to church, is an error. According to that definition, can you, can you go to church if it's not a place? You, you can go to this location, but if the people aren't here, guess what's not here? Church isn't here. Church is wherever the people go. Uh, The Apostle Peter, in writing to a church that's scattered because of persecution, he says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. 
that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage against your soul. The the church is not a service. The, The church is not a location. The church is a people called out of darkness and into what? And into God's light. And which this verse also helps move us to the third one, which is that the church is not part of this world. It is alien. I don't mean alien like Martian. I mean, it actually has a citizenship that cannot be found on the earth. This is a critical component for you and I to understand what is the majesty of God's mercy to bring you into his family? A family that does not find its origin from earthly genetics, but rather supernaturally derived from the incarnation of God himself found in the person of Jesus Christ, whose blood has now provided a way for you to be part of a heavenly family. You're aliens here. You're just strangers here. Be very, very careful, therefore, how much you expect the church to look as comfortable as the world does here. For you were not made by God's recreation in your heart for this world. This passage from the book of Hebrews 11 All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on the earth. So church is not about you. It's all about Jesus. Church is not a building or a location. It's a people. And the church is not part of this world. It's alien to this world. With that in mind and from this verse that we have from Hebrews 10, I'd like to give you the first way in which coming to corporate worship does not compare to the woods is that it gives you endurance. If you look back with me into the text at verse 25, uh, the writer starts out by saying something in the negative. He says, let us not, which is a little bizarre. Normally you'd think of a, a, a subjunctive encouragement, let us therefore do something. But now we're actually told, don't do something. Because it's going to be hard for you to continue in the faith. It's going to be hard for you to follow Jesus. It's going to be hard for you to live with a foreign righteousness that comes from him and not this world. And so we have at the very beginning something framed in the negative, meaning do not give up because you will be tempted to. Now, be honest with me. Have you ever had a time in your life where you just felt like the last thing I want to do is go to church? I'd rather be in the woods. Maybe in that moment, that's a, that's a good decision for you, but not as a replacement for the body. For the, the trees are never going to challenge you. Don't give up. But you know who is? We are. That's how God has designed the family of God. Don't give up. Imagine in your family if one of your children was having a hard time. Would you want, would you want for them to just leave the family then? That would be the last thing that you would want. You would say, tell me where it is that you're having a hard time. Because I love you. And I want to see you endure. Look, look at the words from the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians. He said, we are hard pressed on every side. But not crushed. We're perplexed. 
but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we are not destroyed. I want you to see that the very first thing that we can take a bite out of this cookie for the answer from Hebrews chapter 10 is to see that Paul frames it in the negative so that you will recognize the church is where you are going to be encouraged to keep going, man. Keep going. Find endurance. Secondly, uh, it's armament. This is where you come to refuel, to reload, and to reposition uh, yourself to handle the attacks that come from the outside world and from the indwelling of sin within. In fact, the word that you're given here in verse 25 is let us not, what? What's it say? Don't what? Don't give up. Don't give up. Boy, that's, a good, that's a good word to hear sometimes. Have you ever felt like that before? Have you, have you ever been there where it's just like, I, I can't do this anymore? You, you can ask Emily. I've never said that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not true at all. Uh, if you ask her, you'll be like, yeah, sometimes I'm the only thing holding this all together. No, it's so true. So often it's easy to feel like I just can't go on. I can't do this anymore. I need to give up. And it's easy to. The Greek, the Greek word that's used here for give up is, is actually the word that means to be abandoned, uh, to desert. As if you were on the front lines of a battle. Can you imagine World War II? Can you imagine some of these where the army, uh, the, the enemy is firing at you and you just feel like this ain't going the right way. I don't know if the general knows what he's doing. And so you are tempted to do what? Drop your weapon and... Run. In fact, this exact same word, uh, do not give up, is, is used again in 2 Timothy. Paul has lost some of his workers, some of his companions who worked with him. He says to Timothy, do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has given up. That's the exact same word that's used here in Hebrews. He's deserted me and has gone on to Thessalonica. Don't give up, he says. The writer of the book of Hebrews encourages you, be armed for the fight. This quote from Kevin DeYoung and Ted Gluck says, church to us should be as relevant as the gym is to the boxer or as basic training is to the soldier. That's why we come. When was the last time the bushes or the trees told you, don't give up? (laughs) Number three, We find our identity in the church. In fact, if you look back in verse 25, he says, let's not give up meeting together. Not as individuals, not as small groups, but collectively as God's people. And then he contrasts this with some other people. Did you see it in there? What are these other people doing? Verse 25, they don't gather together because they formed a habit of it. In fact, so much so that that now becomes their identity. I used to be a Christian. I used to go to church. So much easier for me Sunday morning. Service starts too long. Pastor preaches too long. We're going we're gonna to just go for a walk in the woods. And that becomes their identity. This might sound like a, just a Sunday morning sermon to you. Just hear me for a second here. This is really serious. This is so serious that John, when he's going to write to the church about those who are opposed to Jesus by finding another way 
Like, you don't really need Jesus, do you? You don't really need to go to church, do you? Hear all that preaching? This is what he says in 1 John 2.19. He says, they went out from us, but they didn't really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Can you imagine if that was said about you? And it's so easy, church. It's so easy to be discouraged. It's so easy to feel like, I ain't going today. That's the easiest thing that there is. And there's no more important moment in your life where you need to go and to either hear the accountability from God's word or the love of God's people to accept you as one of our own. A sinner who's redeemed, not by our own good works, but by the blood of Jesus. And so there's an identity that is formed within the gathering of the local community. Number four, teamwork. Again, in verse 25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage. It doesn't say let the pastor encourage. Can I say that again? Everybody get it. It it ain't my job. It's your job. The, the church is meant to come together and do the work of ministry. The role of a pastor teacher is to correctly explain God's word so that you're equipped to do the work. But God wants you to function together as one team. This can't be overlooked. This is a cr- critical aspect of what it means to come to church. By the way, if you don't come, like if you, if you skip a Sunday, who loses out? The team loses out. I mean, not, not only do you miss out of all of the uh, teaching and the love of God, but we miss you. Like, we really need you. Imagine you were on a football team, and one of the offensive linemen just decided, eh, I think I'm going to go play football in the woods. <laughs> How's that quarterback going to handle that? going to get nailed, right? Because there's teamwork that is needed. I actually think of a good illustration of that, of like uh, Alaskan sled dogs. You guys ever see those, right? They, they hook them up in pairs. Did you know that? They, they hook them up side by side. And if at any point one of the dogs gets a little tired, what do the rest do? Lay down, take a nap, quit. No, they, they pull a little bit harder for that one that's having a hard time. Maybe you are on the side of being able to pull a little bit harder for the one who's low. Or maybe you today are feeling a little low. That's all the more reason to come and to be part of a church family. Number five is for encouragement. This one's easy. If you just look in the text, it says, but let us encourage one another. Encouragement is a critical aspect of being part of the family of God. The the Greek word that's used here is parakletos, which is almost the exact word as a noun for the Holy Spirit. Think about that. You are to be an encourager the exact same way that the Holy Spirit is an encourager in the hearts of believers. I'm not making this up. Look at the text again. It doesn't say, let the Holy Spirit encourage you. Let the pastor encourage you. Let the ministry leader encourage you. It says, let who? Let us encourage one another. Um, I've told you guys this before. In high school, I ran long-distance track was a stupid decision. <laughs> Eight times around a track is exhausting. 
Let me tell you something, though. When I'm on that back 100 and all I can hear is the clip-clop of my feet going slower and slower, it's actually when I start rounding the corner back where the crowd is that I get a little more speed. Why is that? Because the crowd's doing what? Go on. Keep running. That's right. Church, you need to keep running. You won't get that in the woods. You get that here. Number six, preservation. Who are you to encourage? Well, you are to encourage one another. I can't tell you about how important the one another phrases are throughout the New Testament. But in line with teamwork and encouragement, you and I are called to help preserve one another's faith for each other. In fact, you need to know that sin is working its way through people right now. Like the the person sitting across from you, they're they're probably not going to tell you, but I guarantee somebody in here today is struggling. I guarantee. And you know what we're called to do? We're called to help them, not to give up. Help them to preserve their faith. In fact, this passage is another one another from Hebrews chapter 3. He says, but encourage, same, same command, right? Encourage one another. How often? Every Sunday, is that what it says? So you're going to do God's word or not? Encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, that today means that Jesus hasn't returned yet. Like there's still time. You could still do it. We're still waiting for his return. Watch this though. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. My family and I went to Panera Bread this past week in Green Bay. Who likes Panera Bread? Yeah, a little bit of carbs. I like them too. But, um, Emily always eats my baguette every time. So, so I, I had her go in and get an extra one. Well, I also am the trash disposal for the rest of the family. So I ate all the leftovers and didn't have room for my baguette now. So we took it home. Well, after one day, guess what happened to that chewy baguette? Hard as a rock. I mean, you could build a house out of those. Now, let me ask you the question. What did I have to do in order for it to get hard? Just do nothing. In order for it to get hard as a rock, inedible, unusable, do you know what I had to do? Nothing. Just don't do anything. And do you know what will happen? The natural course of carbs will take over and it will become like a cement block. That's all you got to do. Do nothing. What about sin? What about sin in the life of a Christian who's struggling? Remember Jesus' parable? Satan's attacking those seeds. The weeds are attacking those seeds. The sun is going to be scorching those seeds. You and I are called to a preserving work to encourage one another daily so that we do not let our hearts become hardened. Have you ever met anybody like that? Has there ever been someone in your life who you've loved? Maybe somebody who sat right here at one point, but they don't anymore. And you know that there is a battle that's being fought, a similar battle that you and I fight, but the more that you simply do nothing, the easier it is that their faith is not preserved. The trees won't help you with that. Only being here will help you with that. All right, number seven, growth. This one, again, is a critical one. Encourage one another, uh, and then it says what? And all the more. All the more. Well, pastor, I did it last week. You mean I got to do it again? Yeah, 
you got to do it again. As long as the enemy's over there, you and I are still on this side. You and I need to help each other grow. It's the idea of weightlifting. If I stop putting more weight on the bar, the muscles are going to stay the same size. What about your spiritual muscles? I'm telling you, it's way easier. Don't put any more weight on the bar. That's not what the text says, though. You're to encourage one another all the more. Because God has designed growth to happen within the family of God. Hear hear me now. God accepts you where you are. He absolutely does. But he will not leave you where you are. He wants to grow you and draw you to look more like his son Jesus. Uh, Look at this passage again from 2 Peter. For this very reason, Peter says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, uh, says brotherly kindness or mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. Watch this now. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I are called to help one another grow. Lastly, perseverance. This is similar to where we started with endurance, though it's slightly different. Perseverance comes at the very end of our verse. Again, verse 25. And all the more as you see, what's the Bible say? The day approaching. What, what is this? What day is he talking about? He's talking about Jesus' return. Wow. Church, I, I want to remind you, we live in a really unique period of time. You have the great undeserved privilege of helping to unfold God's kingdom for Jesus' return. And there's a battle that's going on right now. That's why we need each other. That's why we come together to encourage one another. And we do it always in the light of looking for Jesus' return. That's why we have to persevere. Paul's going to say in just a chapter later, in chapter, or, or, I'm sorry, the writer of Hebrews is going to say just a chapter later. He's going to say, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, so here being those who have come before us in history, lived by faith, and you and I, the church, a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. That's a, that's a pretty big bite of the cookie, amen? amen? I've got just a couple of conclusions I want to finish up with this morning uh, that come directly from this. You're, you're not going to go to church if you're not in the battle. Why do people stop coming to church? Well, you know what? There's a lot of reasons. The the cookie is bigger than what I can cover in totality this morning. But from this passage, from this little verse in the book of Hebrews, I can tell you this is true. That you'll stop coming if you're just disengaged from the battle. Do you guys remember September 11th, 2001? Remember that? What was the church attendance like the following week? Remember those days? It was a little bit of a wake-up call, wasn't it? Boy, we need Jesus. We need God. <laughs> and like, like leaky buckets who keep forgetting, we were given a reminder, and when we were, you saw there is such a thing as evil. 
And so if the battle is going, we need to be in church, not in the woods only, but also together with God's people. I, I like to think um, that maybe one of the best ways that we could end church is like an NFL huddle. <laughs> Come on, you guys know, right? Hands in. Come on. Team on three. One, two, three. Team. Kick the devil's butt on three. Ready? One, two, three. I think that'd be a really good way for us to end our gatherings because in an in a NFL team, right, in a football team, they don't leave the field. They go up to the fighting line right after that. In church, you're going to leave these doors and hopefully you're going to go out to the line of scrimmage. You against the forces of evil, not your neighbor. Remember, flesh and blood is not the issue. They're victims just like you are victims of sin and lies and the brokenness and deceitfulness of this world. So you're there to reach them. Your battle is against evil. And so that's why we come to church. But if you're not in the battle, if for you, kicking your feet up, watching TV and going for a walk in the woods is enough, then I'm going to guess you're not going to come to church because you're really not engaged in that spiritual warfare. Number two, you won't go to church if you're not looking for growth. When was the last time you were in the woods and the tree told you, hey, Ryan, you should probably love your wife better. You should serve her more than you serve yourself. I get all my chains off. <laughs> Took care of that tree. If, if, if I don't want growth, if I don't want accountability, if I don't want challenge in my life, I'm going to be... Magnetize. I'm going to be drawn to the places where I'm not challenged, where I don't have to try and think and study and read and listen and pray. It's way easier. So if I'm not interested in growth in my life, then I'm not going to be going to church. Are you guys familiar with uh, Newton's first law? An object at rest stays at rest. Yeah. So one of the very uh, worst things you can do is become derelict in your commitment to be part of the functioning family of God and just take it easy. Just a little folding of the hands to rest. You know what? It's going to be harder to get moving again. I got good news though. Newton's right on the opposite side of that. An object in motion stays in motion. And so the more you're plugged in, the more that you're pumping the spiritual iron, the easier it's going to be to continue and to keep marching and plowing forward. But if you don't want growth, you ain't going to come to church. Thirdly, you won't come to church if you're not expecting Jesus' return. That this is exactly what the text reminds us of. We are to encourage one another all the more because we see the return of Jesus. I wanted to... Uh, oh, let me explain to you. That's not a fearful thing. That's not a, hey, you better get your butt in church. That, that's not what it is. It's not a... Oh, Jesus is coming. I might not be in church. That's not at all. If you're thinking that this morning, let me just clear that up for you. The illustration I want to give you is that Mike and I wanted to go to the movies yesterday. And so I was, you know, I'm looking at the clock. We're running a little late, forgot something, finally get in the truck, drive there. Um, and then we're late. And I look and the doors are already closed on the theater. And the line has got like 
four people in this line and four people in the other line. Now, who's with me with a dilemma at that moment? Like, which of these two lines? I guarantee you it's the line that I don't stand in is going to go faster than the one I stand in. And sure enough, that's what happened. And so we get in line, and now it's 15 minutes. And now I'm thinking we should have left earlier. And by the time we get to the front, we decided, well, we're, we missed it. We were excited to go, but we missed it. Make sure that nobody misses the grace of Jesus Christ because a root of bitterness grows up in their hearts that causes them to stop persevering and that they sour in their faith. Jesus is coming. Get your butt going, man. It's going to be awesome. Jesus is going to return, and that is what ought to motivate us. But we're warned. I want you to know we are warned in Scripture about Jesus' return. little quiz for you this morning. When Jesus says, I will come like a what? I'll come like a thief. When's the last time the thief went? Uh-uh. Jesus warned you. He's not going to come that way. He's going to come when no one's ready. In fact, he's going to come, the Bible tells us, when everybody's saying peace and safety and they're eating and drinking and they're not looking for Jesus at all. That's when he's going to come. But if you've been coming to church, watch this. This is what Paul says to the Thessalonians. It's a long one here. I'm just going to summarize it. He says at the top, for you know very well that the Lord will come like a thief in the night while people are saying peace and safety destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you. Isn't that good news? I, I for a long time, remember reading in the scripture and Jesus says, I'm going to come like a thief. And that's me like laying at bed at night thinking like, he might come right now. Like, I, I mean, I'm nervous. But that's not the message that goes to the Christian. For the Christian, we're not in darkness that we should live as the people who don't know Jesus live. We live in the light. And so he's not going to come like a thief for us because we're doing what? We're watching for his return. That's why I'm coming to church. In fact, look how it ends right down here. He died for us. So whether we're awake or asleep, we may live together in him. Therefore, huh, look at this. What are you supposed to do? Huh. I'm seeing a theme here, folks. Are you catching it as well? Encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Why do we do that? We do that because we're looking for Jesus. And so what do we do with this? What what do you say to the friend who's like, yeah, man, I'm going out in the pines today, taking my bow with me just in case. Have a good time at church. What, What do you say to them? I submit that you say, man, we miss you. And we really need you in church. And we love you. Because that's the truth. The truth is that we, we're missing out when they're not coming to be part of the family. Our, our offensive line is missing a blocker. Right? Our, uh, our wide receiver core is, is down a player. We need another spotter to come and encourage. And so tell them that we need you. Tell them that we miss you. Tell them that we love you. And I I know I'm kind of preaching to the literal choir here today because this is a message that's needed for the people who aren't here. And you're, you're all here, so you get it. But I guarantee you've had days where you're like, man, I just, I don't want to go. So what do you do? What do you do to keep yourself 
from feeling like a chopped off limb of the body of Christ that I really don't belong or they're just judging me or I got, I'm too busy. What do you do? Get involved. We need you. I want to say that the greatest thing that I could hear as a pastor is if someone came up to me and said, hey, pastor, how can I get involved in serving here at Grace? That'd be amazing. That'd be awesome to hear. We need everybody. And God's gifted you in a special way, completely different from everybody else, so that you fill up a gap that's missing. And why do we get involved? Because Jesus is coming soon. He's coming soon. It's just like if you were going to have some folks over for a, for a meal, right? And you were expecting them to come in. Just ask my wife. She gives us chores to do, right? Sadie, this is your job. Ryan, this is your job. Micah, this is your job. Why, why do we all have these jobs? Because we're getting it ready. We're getting it ready. Church, you're getting it ready for Jesus. Put a little more weight on the bar, would you? Come alongside somebody who's lifting a heavy load. Tell them, you got this. You got this. Keep going. Don't give up. Amen? Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this reminder. And God, we ask that you will encourage those who are not here. God, I pray that they would know that they are loved and missed and that they're needed. Lord, I ask that your spirit go ahead of us to that end so that you be the one who draws them back.